Hello and welcome to East Shore Unitarian Church, our annual pride service. My name is Eric Lane Barnes. I use he, him pronouns, and I am the music director here at East Shore United Unitarian Church. It's not united. It's just Unitarian. <laughs> so why dedicate a whole service to LGBTQIA pride? Why dedicate a day, a week, a whole month to pride? I could rattle off a string of facts and figures. LGBT, LGBT people are four times more likely than non-LGBT people to experience violent victimization, for instance, or 70% of trans people report being impacted by transphobia when accessing healthcare service. Only 46% of LGBT people feel able to be open about themselves with everybody in their family. 34% of black, Asian, and minority LGBT people have experienced a hate crime in the past 12 months. 86% of high school students, of high school teachers, say students in their classes have experienced homophobic bullying. 70 countries worldwide criminalize same-sex relationships with death being the legal penalty in 11 of these countries. But I'm not going to spout facts and figures. <laughs> the answer to why pride is simple. The vast majority of psychological and sociological studies show that accepting LGBT people from youth through elder age not only improves individual mental and physical health, but strengthens society as a whole. Accepting people as being exactly who they say they are is not just good for the person who just came out to you, it's good for you as well. And I, and I would say this, don't just accept someone for who they say they are, celebrate them. When someone comes out to you, do more than just say, well, I still love you. Acknowledge the bravery of the moment and say, that's great, I'm so proud of you. When someone shares pronouns that you're not familiar with, practice them together, show them you care. The difficulty you may face with this news is your own work to do. Trust that whoever has come out to you, your friend, your coworker, your sister, your child, your spouse, your father, they have been living in their skin their entire lives. They have probably been processing this information for years. They have chosen this moment to share something deep and personal with you. Hug them, love them unconditionally. Marching down a city street bedecked in glitter and rainbows is empowering and a whole lot of fun, but pride truly happens in small moments. Saying to a coworker, I'm queer, and that remark hurts. Saying to your child, how can I best support you? Smiling when you see a stone butch lesbian or hear a flamboyantly queer man and say to yourself, they are being exactly who they are. We're always learning new things about ourselves and one another. In this way, we're always coming out. Let's not just be a safe place. Let's be a center of celebration. Let's rejoice in the rainbow of diversity that makes up not only the human population, but all life on this beautiful planet. Let's really be here for one another. And that is how we will become the best people we can be. Hello, my name is Carrie Schenken. I go by she, her pronouns. My coming out story feels a little unique, but in most ways, I hope it is not unique at all. 
I was a little late to the party coming out at 30 years of age. I never dated in high school and finally had my first boyfriend the year after I graduated from college. I dated a few men on and off for the next eight years, but never really found a connection that was satisfying. So I was so not self-aware, I just thought I was meeting the wrong guys. When I'd break up with them, I'd give them the typical, it's not you, it's me excuse. Turns out that could not have been more accurate. (laughs) When I finally clued in to who I actually am, it took me a while to come to terms with it myself, let alone tell my family. I kept it from them for quite some time, nervous that they would not be accepting. But when I was in my first serious relationship, I knew I had to come clean. Turns out I had nothing to worry about. They were completely accepting. There was literally no drama. I just went from dating men to dating women, and that was that. They were always welcoming to the women I dated. And when I finally found my match and got married to my beautiful wife, Just this past July, my family was there. (laughs) My family was there loving us, supporting us, and helping to make it the best day of my life. I know how lucky I am, and I truly hope that someday all LGBT plus people experience the love and acceptance I received. Good morning, I'm Keely Coffrin-Allen. I use she, her pronouns. And I'm here on behalf of two of my children. I have four great kids, and two of them were assigned female at birth, and both of them now identify as non-binary. What does that mean? That means that both of these kids have rejected the male-female binary, and They are fluid. They're known to dress in clothing that we typically think of masculine or clothing that typically associate with feminine. Both of them use they, them pronouns. And that's why it's really important for us to acknowledge our own pronouns. You'll notice that everybody says when they introduce themselves what their pronouns are. Normalize that. Make it a safe space for non-binary people to share their pronouns. Make it that they're not the only ones that are talking about pronouns. One of my children has also changed their name, so it has been a process of adjustment for me. And I've had to learn how to go from mourning the loss of my daughters to celebrating these wonderful, fluid children. Thank you. So I have several coming out stories. I'm going to share one with you. I've been in the arts all my life, and I've been fortunate enough to be able to do so in my professional life. I love what I do, and I do what I love. The world of music, theater, and art have largely been safe places for queer folk. Now, men have yelled faggot at me from passing car, from passing cars. Every gay man I know has had this happen numerous times. But my response now is to shout back, yes, and to celebrate that special coming out moment with them, even as they are bravely speeding away. 
One time I was backstage between shows at a theater in Chicago. We were doing a funny thing happened on the way to the forum, and the band and I were sitting backstage and talking. I had done a number of shows with John, the drummer, and I, I knew him to be a good guy. But this day, he started talking about a cast member who was pretty obviously queer, and John was imitating the way that he spoke. After a few minutes, I said, It's not a lisp. If you want to talk like a queer man, make your S sibilant like this. You'll get a lot more attention that way. And John stared at me, and he said, You're gay? And I said, As a $3 goose? Man, I'm so sorry, he said. I didn't know. I know, I said. One never knows. Does one? John apologized to me about five times again after that day, and I said the same thing every time. Don't say to your buddies what you won't say in front of the object of your derision. And by the way, this goes for everything. Don't say to your white buddies what you won't say in front of my friend Ron. That is the basest form of microaggression. I was looking up information about Samuel Barber on the internet. Now, he is the composer who wrote Adagio for Strings, which I know everyone in this room has heard. He was gay, and his partner was Giancarlo Minotti, the composer who wrote A Mall and the Night Visitors, among other English-language operas. On a YouTube link for Barber's Shore on the Shining Night, someone had commented, it doesn't matter that Samuel Barber was gay. He wrote some good music anyway. <laughs> now, I've certainly read much worse things about queer people online. Much, much worse. But this comment couched Barber's queerness as a negative, kind of like when you say, it's okay, I still love you, when someone comes out to you. So I replied, it does matter that Samuel Barber was gay. He lived in a time when it was not acceptable or even legal to be queer, and yet he was, as openly as he could be. This shaped his life. This informed his music. This matters. And also, for the record, Aaron Copeland, the man whose music was called The Sound of, of America, was gay. How can we not take this into consideration when we, are, when we are enjoying, appreciating, and celebrating his music or the music of any composer? Also, the words to Shore on This Shining Night were written by James Agee, a bisexual man. But more on that later. And now the choir, the East Shore Mighty Choir, is pleased to sing for you Samuel Barber and James Agee's Sure on This Shining Night.
Hello, my name is Jeff Hu, and I am a friend of Eric's. He invited me to come sing for you today. And today I'm going to share with you a song called Meadowlark. And it is written by uh, Stephen Schwartz, who wrote Wicked the Musical, um, uh, Pippin, uh, Godspell, and many others. But this song, Meadowlark, is uh, written in a uh, musical called uh, ba Baker's Wife. And it's unfortunately didn't do as well as the others. However, this song in itself lived on, which is awesome. Um, it is a song about a baker's wife who was just not very happy in her family. And uh, she was just miserable in the family situation. And she has a choice of whether to stay or to go. And that reminded her the story of a childhood story that she had. It's called Meadowlark. And how does the story relate to pride? How does that come, uh, how does that relate to it? And it meant a lot for me personally because it, the, um, how I related to it was that when I was coming out, through my coming out process, I was attending a church. And this church was, uh, it was a wonderful church for me for a while. And then as I was coming out, it became uh, starting to become, un uh, because it was an uh, unaccept uh, unaccepting and not welcoming church, and it became progressively unhealthy. And I want to tough it out. I want to say, okay, I'm going to be here and be strong about it. However, I slowly realized I'm just kind of dying inside. I had presented the choice whether to stay or to go, and I chose to leave because I needed a place where I can be healthy, both spiritually and mentally. And later on down the road, I found a faith family who accepted me, who welcomed me with open arms and told me that I am love just the way I am. And I was beautifully and wonderfully made, and I don't need to change. And the song is about life choices. What do you do when you're presented with life? Choose happiness. Choose being healthy. The song Meadowlark. When I was a boy, I had a favorite story. Of a meadow lark who lived where the rivers wind. Her voice couldn't match the angels in its glory, but she was blind. The lark was blind, and the king of the rivers took her to his palace, where the rivers, the walls were run and prayed. And he fed her fruit and nuts from an ivory chalice. And he prayed, sing for me, my meadow lark. Sing for me on a silver morning. Set me free, my meadow lark. I will buy you a priceless jewel. 
a cloth and brocade and cruel, and I'll love you for life if you will sing for me. Then one day as a lark sang by the water, the god of the sun heard her in its flight. And the singing moved him, so he came and brought her the gift of sight. She gave her sight, and she opened her eyes to the shimmer and the splendor of this beautiful young god, so proud and strong. And he called to the lark with a voice so rough and tender, Come along, fly with me, my meadow lark, fly with me on a silver morning, past the sea where the dolphins bark. We will dance on the coral beaches. Make a feast of the plums and peaches, just as far as your vision reaches. Fly with me. Then the meadow lark said no, oh, for the old king loved her so. She couldn't bear to wound his pride. So the sun god flew away. Then the king came down that day. She found his meadow lark had died. Every time I heard that part, I cried. And now I stand here starry-eyed and stormy. Oh, it's just when I thought my heart was finally numb. A beautiful young man appears before me, singing, Come, oh, won't you come? And what can I do if finally, for the first time, the one I'm burning for returns a glow? If love had come at last, it picked the worst time. Still I know. I got to go fly away, metal lark, fly away on a silver morning. If I stayed, I'll grow to curse the dark. So it's awful the days won't bind me. I know I leave wounds behind me, but I won't let tomorrow find me back this way. Fly away If we won't wait To say goodbye My beautiful young man And I Thank you, Jeff. 
And I'm inviting my friend Lori Kunze up to share something rather marvelous. Good morning. My name is Lori Kunze, and my pronouns are she, her. My husband, Brian Potter, and I are visiting from Edmonds Unitarian Universalist Congregation. But I would like to also acknowledge some other visitors in our midst, our good friend Linnell, my stepson Alex, his mom, and her wife. I love our rainbow family. Brian and I met while teaching middle school OWL in Michigan over 20 years, excuse me, over 20 years ago. As a straight woman and a seemingly gay man, since he was dating men, we soon became best friends. But Brian had always identified as bi, and eventually he was no longer dating men. <laughs> so, then we move here, and people see us as a straight couple. As OWL instructors, we always like to use this as a teaching moment to try to break down people's assumptions of sexual orientation and what it looks like. But not every bisexual feels comfortable coming out to everyone each time they encounter someone new. I asked Eric to compose this piece of music, and I thank the mighty choir for bringing it to life today for the very first time. I'm hoping this song will help bring visibility to parts of the LGBTQIA community that still feel they are somewhat closeted. Let's help them to be visible. Not by forcing them to push their way out of yet another closet, but by opening the closet door and accepting them with our hearts and our acceptance and our acknowledgement of the possibility. And I would like to dedicate this song today to one particular bisexual. My loving husband, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> 